Welcome to the Morgan Aviation Podcast. Morgan Aviation Podcast. A unique perspective on all things aviation from the pilot's point of view. And here's your host, Jake Morgan. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Morgan Aviation Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Morgan. Uh, hope you're all able to have a good Thanksgiving, good holiday weekend. You're able to spend some time with your family and friends and all that jazz. We were able to have a pretty good time at our house, so hope you're able to experience that as well. So kind of what I wanted to talk about today a little bit, uh, I am kind of in the beginning stages of buying an airplane. I'm kind of in the the looking stage right now here in the next few months probably be pretty serious as far as uh looking to buy an airplane for my personal use so kind of what i wanted to talk about a little bit more was kind of the nuances what you want to look for when buying an airplane um kind of the cost of entry associated with it and why it might be in your best interest to buy and kind of when that threshold is to uh look at buying an airplane versus renting an airplane. So in my personal situation, I've rented my plane uh, so far. I've flown a few different airplanes that I've rented, um, but I'm getting into the stage now where I'm working on my commercial and CFI and things of that nature and uh, a little bit more advanced with my instrument training. So it's making more sense for me with the amount of hours that I'm going to be building um, over a short period of time that it gets over the threshold of whether it makes more sense to own my own plane versus renting, um, not only for the financial aspect of it, but also the convenience. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about first is, is the convenience of owning your own airplane. So renting is great. Uh, and owning your own airplane is also great, but there's a lot of nuances that come with that as far as uh, cost and and things that you have to, there's a little bit of risk involved when you buy your own airplane. So kind of the differences between those two. So renting an airplane, you have a flat cost, usually dry or wet, so either with or without fuel um, per hour to rent a plane. Um, when you buy a plane, you have some fixed and variable costs associated with that. So you have to buy the plane itself. So whether you pay cash or you finance it, uh, it doesn't really matter either way as far as which way you go about it. But there, you can do either direction. But you still have to pay for fuel. You still have to pay for insurance, which you normally don't have to carry when you're renting a plane. You, there is uh, plane rental insurance or uh, uh, flight school insurance that you can buy, but you're not necessarily mandated to do that. Um <clears throat> but you're you don't necessarily have to. Uh, but when you buy a plane, you have fuel costs, insurance costs, the cost of the plane itself, uh, hangar or storage rental. So you have to pay to put the plane somewhere. Um, those are going to be the the biggest costs as far as the the overall operation of your plane. But you also have to worry about maintenance. And that kind of opens a big can of worms because a lot of it is going to be dependent on the kind of plane you fly. Uh, if you're looking at uh, a piston-driven, single-engine, 
fixed propeller, fixed gear airplane, that's going to be kind of the the perfect storm for you as far as low maintenance costs and low insurance costs. Insurance companies like basic equipment as far as the the operational aspect of the plane is concerned. The less moving and complicated components involved is better for your insurance and is also a little bit better for maintenance costs. When you get into variable pitch propellers, uh, you start swinging gears, you're looking at uh, retractable landing gear, uh, you're looking at uh, high-performance engines, and uh, when you get into the turboprop world, the jet world, stuff like that, the engine components and the engines themselves get astronomically more expensive, and the components associated with those get a lot more expensive. So not only from an insurance perspective, you know, if something happens to the plane, they know they're going to have to pay a lot more to fix it, but if something goes wrong with the plane, that's not necessarily insurance related. So just regular maintenance issues, something breaks, uh, and you need to fix it. It's going to cost a lot more too. So that's kind of the, the basic airplane. That's kind of the best scenario. Um, as far as low cost of entry, uh, usually the plane itself is a little bit less expensive. Uh, there are some, some differences to that just because some people want to get out of a higher maintenance, higher cost airplane. So you can buy some more advanced airplanes, cheap, um, air quotes, cheap, but there's also a lot of maintenance costs. So you have to compensate for that as well. But anyway, back to what I was saying, the, the barrier of entry on those kind of planes are a lot lower. So like I was saying, when you're renting an airplane, you have to pay for the hourly rate, which is usually a little bit more expensive than what the the hourly cost as far as the the operating cost of the airplane. Because if somebody's renting you a plane, they're obviously not going to rent it to you for exactly what it costs to run that airplane. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for them to do that because they're taking all of the risk as far as the maintenance aspect is concerned, as well as having to pay for that airplane. So they're not going to, they're not going to rent it to you exactly for what it costs. So when you own one yourself, it can usually be cheaper per hour to run, but you have to worry about the maintenance costs, insurance and things of that nature too. So that's kind of the, the, the style of airplane that I'm looking at currently. I'm looking for something that's going to be a single engine, piston driven, um, normally aspirated, so not turbocharged, uh, with fixed gear. And I'm looking for a four seat airplane with a relatively good useful load. So I have, you know, a wife and two kids. So I need something that has a relatively decent useful load. So I'm looking for something in the realm of 800 pounds and up. So your Cessna 150s have two seats in the front, and they can also have a kid's bench seat in the back, but the useful load is substantially lower. A Cessna 172 is pretty close. Um, it's debatable as far as whether or not that would work. It's a little bit lower useful load than what I would like. It's somewhere in the 700s, low 700s, but I want something that's going to be like 850 or so, so I can have... Uh, at least three full-size passengers, one of the kids, uh, full f- fuel tanks, and gas. You know, full full fuel tanks and gas along with uh, luggage. But I can also take all the kids, me, the wife, full tanks, and some luggage as well and not have to worry about weight and balance computations getting jacked up. 
So back to the the cost of the airplanes themselves. Like I said before, it's going to be drastically dependent on the engine components in the airplane, the uh, advanced avionics in the airplane. That's probably going to be the biggest one um, aside from uh, the more complex components as far as, you know, you get into more drastic engines and stuff like that. It's a little bit different. But if you're just looking apples to apples, um, avionics is going to be a big uh, drive in price. Because if you have something with relatively old avionics, old radios, no ADSB, um, no GPS, and an ADF, uh, that's going to be a substantially cheaper, or should be, air quotes, a substantially cheaper airplane than uh, something with air conditioning, a G1000 suite. Uh, autopilot, you know, that kind of stuff. It's a little bit more advanced, a lot more expensive avionics. So you can think, in my perspective, uh, when it comes to buying something, I want to find something that has what I want for avionics or as close as possible as I can find for avionics already installed in the airplane. Because here's the big issue when it comes to adding avionics. Um, They depreciate when you put it in the airplane, you know, you pay a, a pretty good chunk of money for the equipment that's in the airplane already. So I want to find something preferably with all the stuff that I want, maybe even a little bit more. That way I can kind of grow into it a little bit rather than have to buy something with a relatively basic panel, put all the stuff in it that I want. I pay a big chunk of change and then it depreciates 20 or 30 percent as soon as I put it in the airplane. And then I'm just out that difference. So Obviously, it's going to depend on whether or not I can find a good enough deal on an airframe itself to compensate for avionics. But as far as the the airplane itself, what you want to look for when you're looking to buy an airplane. Obviously, like I said, you want to find something that's relatively basic if you want that low cost of entry. Now, depending on what your mission is, if you're – now, take – this is the perspective that I'm coming from. I need a a relatively inexpensive time builder uh, for my instrument and commercial, my CFI, um, and possibly double I. So oh, that's kind of the realm that I'm looking for. So I need something that's going to be cheap, instrument capable, and a low cost per hour to run. Um, but if your mission is different, so say you're you're using it for business, okay? And you're going to be flying single pilot uh, and say you live in New York and you have a business that you need to go to regularly in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, you want something that's going to be a relatively quick airplane, something that's IFR capable. Cost isn't necessarily as much of an issue. Um, You can look at something like a Cirrus SR-22, um, which you can buy used for a few hundred thousand dollars, uh, buy new for, you know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. And that's going to be everything that you need it to do. You can fly high altitude, has onboard oxygen, Garmin G1000 suite, autopilot, air conditioning, heat, yada, 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 de-icing systems, all that jazz. I don't need all that stuff. But if that's more of the mission that you have and that requires of that, um, that might be a realm you can go down. 
but just kind of put it in perspective, that's kind of the the type of airplane that I'm looking for is more of the low cost of entry, low fuel burn, low fuel burn, low uh, cost as far as insurance and things of that nature as well. But what what you want to look for when uh, looking for an airplane in general? <clears throat> now, like I said, you know what kind of plane that I'm looking at, or kind of the realm that I'm looking for. Um, but as far as what you're looking for in a piston driven airplane, now, when you go into jets and you look into turboprops, things change a little bit, but for the most part, it's going to be a similar concept. Okay. So there's a few things that you'll see when people list airplanes, you'll see, um, the paint rating. So usually on a scale of one to 10, how good the paint is. Um, on the plane, whether or not it has chipping, flaking, how relatively recent the plane has been painted, you know, just overall condition, what it's looking like. Same with the interior. It's going to be a scale of one to 10, how nice the interior is in the plane. You'll have a list of all the different avionics, what uh, capabilities the plane has, things of that nature. They'll usually give you a list of logbooks or the logbooks, a list of all the things in the logbooks. I try to shy away from anything that has missing logs. I would like to have the logbooks go all the way back to the beginning of the airplane just because you don't know what happens if there's any kind of gap in the logs, okay? You want to look for damage history. So it's usually going to list if there's any kind of damage history, whether there's been bird strikes, if the plane's been crashed, if it's been struck by lightning, things of that nature. Um, Also with that... The engine itself will have its own log, and the propeller will have its own log. So you have an airframe log, a propeller log, and an engine log, okay? So you'll at least have those three logs. If not, you know, if there's more advanced, it it might be different, but this is just for the kind of plane that I'm looking at right now currently. So as far as the engine is concerned, the big things you're going to be looking for is there is a time frame where you need to do regular maintenance. So there is a an annual inspection. So you need to have the plane taken to a AMP um, to have an annual inspection done every year. Obviously, it's an annual inspection. Um, if it is going to be a rented or has been a rented plane, it will also have a 100-hour inspection. So every 100 hours, it won't be inspected. Um they're usually relatively similar as far as what it entails between an annual and a hundred hour inspection, but it takes a different classification of an AMP mechanic to do that. So there's an AMP and then there's an AMP IA, which is an, an inspection rated uh, mechanic. So a 100 hour inspection can be done by a regular AMP or AMP IA is what it takes to do an annual inspection. But you will look and see how long it's been between uh, those inspections and if there was anything major that it came up on those inspections as well. Also, there is a, uh, a TBO um, or major overhaul uh, that needs to be done. It depends on the manufacturer of the engine. Most of the time, you're looking at 2,000 hours uh, between overhauls. That's usually a rough ballpark. Some are longer and some are shorter. So it depends on the manufacturer of the engine. But rule of thumb, you're looking usually between 18 and 2,300 hours. Somewhere in that wheelhouse, um, 
will need to have a major overhaul. So the engine will be taken off of the airplane, gone through, and basically rebuilt or replaced one of the two with a, a remanufactured engine. Um, your engine can be sent off to be remanufactured, or you can replace it with a brand new engine. Obviously, there's a different cost associated with each one of those, so it just depends on what all is entailed and which route you decide to go with that. Um, but usually, now like I said, it depends on the manufacturer, but you're usually looking somewhere between twenty dollars and $50,000 to have uh, the engine replaced or overhauled for a major overhaul. You can do what's also called a top-end overhaul where they just take the top of the the top half of the engine and overhaul it because usually the bottom is supposed to be quote-unquote bulletproof. So you don't have to worry about that as much. But nine times out of ten when you're doing a major overhaul, they're doing the whole engine. Um, but you will hear of people doing a top-end overhaul, uh, which is kind of the same concept. It's just they uh, do the top of the engine up or the center of the engine up, I should say. So, um, like I said, you want to be looking at what kind of time frame there is between the current amount of hours on the plane and the time before overhaul. So what I try to look for is relatively low airframe hours. So you can look at the, the amount of hours on the airframe, uh, you want that to be as low as possible. That just means somebody didn't fly the brakes off the airplane. You know, somebody hasn't, it, it hasn't been owned by someone or uh, rented by someone who flew the thing like crazy. So, you know, it hasn't been beat beat up. Um, so the lower the time, usually the better. But at the, at, on that same token, you don't want something that's been sitting for the last 10 or 15 years either uh, that hasn't been maintained. You want something that has been regularly flown, but doesn't have a whole bunch of hours. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Also, uh, as low hours as possible, SMOH, or since major overhaul. So that's how you can tell uh, how long it's been since the uh, the plane has been overhauled. So if you have, and there's two different ways you'll see people put that. They'll either put since major overhaul or until major overhaul. Um so you have to pay attention to that because they can flip the numbers and make it seem like it's closer or not as close as it actually is. So I like to find something that is a relatively decent amount of time before it's going to need overhauled. So you can look at uh, how much it is until that major overhaul and get that as low as possible. So low airframe hours, low uh, time or high time until the uh, overhaul is required and same with the propeller you'll need to have the the propeller replaced or whatever they will need overhaul just like the engine will there's a certain time frame for that also also to take into consideration is where has the airplane been kept um, because if you are buying a plane off of somebody who's had it in uh, say Reno, Nevada for the last 30 years. Um, it's been warm, relatively dry climate, um, and the plane's been relatively well taken care of. Uh, you don't have to worry about certain things like corrosion as much as you would uh, someone who's been in uh, Miami, Florida, where it's a lot more humid saltwater air, where there's a lot higher chances of corrosion. 
Um, so there's another thing you want to look into is, is the corrosion aspects of the plane. Also, you can look and see if there have been any advanced directives that have been or not been complied with. Um, a, a lot of that comes down to checking the logs um, when when they list the logbooks and options on the airplane as far as that goes. Uh, if it has been regularly maintained, you usually don't have to worry about that as much. It's usually more of an issue um, if you have been looking at planes that haven't been flown regularly. Um when you find something that you like, you find something that's relatively decent price for what you think. Um, it's within the hour requirements you're looking for. It's the kind of plane you're looking for. has the right uh, mechanics you're looking for, the right age range, um, things of that nature. You can look into, <clears throat> when you're actually looking into buying the airplane itself, you can get a hold of the people that own the plane, and then you will schedule what's called a pre-buy inspection. So kind of what all that will involve, the same deal. You'll take an AMP mechanic, an airframe mechanic, um, and they will check out the airplane for you. Because nine times out of ten, you're buying this plane, and it's not like at your neighbor's house or at the airport next door. I'm not saying you can't do it that way, but with how little airplanes there are out and about, it's a little bit harder than going to your local car lot and and buying a car. You know, you're usually looking online. Most of the uh, search has been done remotely. So you're looking online, uh, you're working through a broker or a an aircraft dealer that has one somewhere in another state that works for your criteria. So you will get a hold of a local mechanic or you can send your private mechanic, your personal mechanic, out to do a pre-buy inspection. So they will do basically what they would do in like a 100-hour or an annual inspection um, on the airplane. So they'll, they'll go through, make sure everything functions properly, make sure there's no any kind of major issues that you're going to run into before you go and buy the airplane. So it's a little bit different of a realm than what you get into with other... Uh, vehicle purchases. So you don't usually have that happen when you're looking at like cars and things like that. You don't take your mechanic um, and have them rip the car apart to make sure that it's a good quality and put it all back together before you buy it. That's usually a little bit different when it comes to airplanes. So <clears throat> that's another thing. You can buy an airplane without a pre-buy inspection. It's just usually not recommended because of the issues that you can run into and the cost associated with those. Um, it makes more sense to have it checked out ahead of time so you don't get hosed and get stuck with a really big bill for major issues that might be the reason why someone's trying to sell the airplane in the first place. Not saying that's what's going to happen, but it is a uh, it is a possibility and a and a reality. So you just got to got to protect yourself, protect your purchase by doing a a pre-buy inspection. Um <clears throat> you'll also do uh, title and ownership lien checks. So you'll do a title check on the plane, send it off and make sure that no other finance companies have liens locked onto the vehicle or the airplane already. Um, so you don't get stuck with paying on an, a lien or you can, may not be able to get the title transferred because someone, you know, way back has had a lien on that and it hasn't been cleared. Um, like I said, you'll want to look into insurance 
usually you will have done this already, got a hold of whoever you're uh, if you have a local broker for aircraft insurance, cool. If not, uh, you can look through other options as far as like AOPA and there's a bunch of other companies that'll do it as well. Um, but those are going to be the biggest things. Um, you'll do a check as far as what the requirements are for registering your plane. The plane registration will be the same for the FAA, so the federal registration of the plane. Um but you'll need to transfer that to your name as well as figuring out what it takes to register the plane in your state. So just like you would a car, you need to go to your uh, local office um, and register the plane just like you would any other kind of vehicle. Usually there's a little bit different requirements as far as that's concerned, but that's all dependent on your state. Um then you would go and once you figured out financing, you figured out, uh, or if you're going to pay cash for the vehicle or the plane either way, then you would, like I said, go through all those steps and go from there. Now, as far as the barrier of entry on buying an airplane, people think that aircraft ownership is astronomically expensive and it's impossible unless you're a rich person to own your own airplane. You know, you have to be a millionaire or some big business executive to be able to have your own airplane. And that's really not the case. So the way I kind of put it into perspective, um, say you have uh, a boat. So people have a boat at the lake, okay? Um, there's different levels of boats that you can have, okay? Now, you can have anything from a 14-foot John boat. Um, it does everything you might need it to do as far as getting you out on the water and being able to, you know, go fishing or whatever. But you can also buy a $15 billion yacht. Obviously, there's a huge swing in there, but it's not necessarily the fact that you have to buy an astronomically expensive airplane to be able to get into the hobby or get into aviation in general. There are a lot of planes that you can buy that are a very low cost of entry, low barrier of entry, and a low cost as far as maintenance costs and as far as the overall cost to use the plane itself, low fuel burn, low insurance costs, things of that nature. So the airplane market is a little bit different right now just because of COVID. Things are a little bit elevated. Um, I mean, that's everything right now, cars, housing, you know, it's all a little bit more expensive than what it was before. But bringing that into perspective, um, there's a lot of planes that you could buy relatively inexpensive. So and there's different classes of planes, too. So like I was saying at the beginning, a, a lot of things that will come into it is the capabilities of the plane and avionics. So backing up, you can look at something like a Cessna 172 where you can find one that is, you know, forty dollars or $50,000 relatively low uh, cost avionics. It's relatively basic as far as that goes, a good VFR platform. 
visual flight rules platform that doesn't have a bunch of fancy bells and whistles, okay? Something that's relatively close to needing overhauled or that has a decent amount of time on it. The paint isn't super nice, but it's a flyable, good airplane. It's got good bones and you can build time in it. That kind of an airplane you can fi- you can find for, you know, 35 grand, okay? And it's a good four-seat airplane. Now, going back, that's a tricycle gear airplane. So it's got three wheels, not a tail dragger. Now, there are other options. You can find something like an Aronica Champ, okay, which is an older plane. So you're looking uh, usually mid-40s, okay? You're looking at something that's not going to have really any avionics. It may not have an electrical system. Um, You're going to have your standard magnetos. It may not have a starter. You may have to... uh, hand start the airplane so you pull the propeller down to literally start the airplane with the wheels chocked um it's it may not have any radios in it whatsoever you may have to fly strictly vfr and it's slow so it's a slow airplane so like i said before it depends on what your mission is if you're just wanting something to get you in the air so you can fly around and have fun you just want to go uh from farm to farm you want to go what they call barnstorming. So you're flying on different grass strips, uh, going to get breakfasts on Sundays and going to different fly-ins, things like that. You can do that with that kind of an airplane. If you just want something to fly, fly around in, play and do some uh, some rolls, do light aerobatics, stuff like that, you can do it with that kind of an airplane. But it doesn't have a great useful load, doesn't have a whole bunch of extra bells and whistles, but it just depends on your kind of mission. You can find... I don't know what they are right now just because I haven't been looking for that kind of an airplane. But you've been able to find stuff like that uh, when I was looking, you know, a year or two ago for 15, 20 grand. So what you would find a nice used car for, you can buy an airplane. It's not like it has an astronomically high barrier of entry. You can find airplanes relatively reasonable and you don't have to buy something that's super expensive. So people think about the fact that this is going to be an astronomically expensive hobby. It doesn't have to be. Going back to what I was saying before, if you don't want to buy an airplane, you don't have to. If you only have the intentions of flying, you know, once or twice a month, maybe a few times, and it doesn't get you to that threshold where it starts to make sense as far as a cost is concerned, then you can rent and be able to fly and have fun and you don't have to worry about those kind of maintenance costs. And that's another option. But if you are looking to buy, you don't have to buy anything that's astronomically expensive. Obviously, there's a little bit of risk involved when it comes to maintenance, but it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Like I was saying, you can buy things that are a little bit more advanced, a little bit higher power, a little bit more useful load, a little bit faster, a little bit nicer as far as paint, interior, options, uh, climate control, and then it slowly creeps that price up. But even for that kind of plane, you can find something that's relatively decent with those kind of avionics and still be looking in the $50,000 ballpark, where if you're looking for, like, say you're buying, I don't know, a new Jeep Grand Cherokee, okay? That's, you could be looking 50 grand for something like that, or a new Ram 1500, okay? And you're looking, you know, mid 50s and something like that. So what you would pay for a nice car 
not not necessarily an overly expensive car, but a middle of the road nice car, you can buy a decent airplane. Now, going into that again, depending on what kind of avionics and things you want, you can obviously jack that price up, but you don't have to buy anything super expensive. But I digress. All right, guys, that's all for today. I just wanted to say thanks for tuning in and listen to all of this. If you appreciated the information, you're able to get something out of it, make sure you leave us a good review on wherever you get your podcast and also share this to a friend or family member, someone you think might enjoy it or be able to, to get some more information from it as well. We appreciate it. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notified whenever our next podcast is released. And we'll see you on the next one.